minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. It's day two of our journey to Boca Raton, Florida. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
It's a JM in the AM Wednesday. We're actually speaking to you on a Tuesday evening from Boca here at uh, BRS, the Boca Raton Synagogue, as we kick off a Wednesday broadcast here at JM in the AM. Many of you are familiar with our uh, our journey, our mission down here, part of the uh, 15th anniversary celebration of Nefesh B'Nefesh. Instead of uh, celebrating on a plane or in uh, Israel or at an airport at Ben Gurion or JFK, this time around, we're at the source. We're at the uh, at the um, at the site that began Nefesh Benefesh, and that's Boca Raton Synagogue, where Rabbi Josh Fass and Tony Gelbar began it all 15 years ago. And those of you, I, ho- I hope, many of you saw Monday night's armchair conversation, where we got into the uh, the different aspects of their leadership of this organization over the last 15 years. Joined by Miriam L. Wallach, who has observed all of this and has uh, no doubt enjoyed the 15th anniversary celebration so far. Good morning to you. How are you? Thank God. Excellent. Wonderful. This has been this has been quite a uh... You look well rested. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> it's almost like an Israel trip. Yeah, the only thing missing is the time difference. Right. Like here if you if you if you try to lie down, there's no excuse I can't fall asleep because of the uh, jet lag. Right. But anyway, That's thank all right. God. Thank, thank God. God. Thank God um, is right. In this case, our Israeli brethren from Nefesh Benefesh are the ones who are uh, jet-lagged a bit. And, who and are, seems to be functioning much better than we are. Yeah, they're pushing forward, and they're really... <laughs> and they are really doing a phenomenal job. We've been working together as a team and, <sighs> you know, picking up where one person <laughs> leaves off, so to speak. Like when someone has to sneeze when on the When someone air. has to sneeze, right. Um, I, I'm not quite sure how to do this, but I had assumed that uh, it's, it's, it's already been revealed to our audience that this is being done Tuesday night at BRS. The reason it's being done Tuesday night is you know that JM and the AM traditionally right. um, uh, is always lichat chila to begin with, is uh, always uh, reserved to be a live radio show. We do make exceptions. Uh, today's exception is because um, a lot of guests, a lot of very special guests, rabbinic leaders who are here for the YU, uh, YU Yarche Kala, are, um, are available to us because of the fact that they are here at Boca Raton Synagogue. And you put them together with the Nefesh Benefesh crew that's here, Rabbi Fass, etc. And it speaks to a pre-record. Right. Yes. And, we, and we have the makings dictates, of, yeah, yeah. We have the makings of a good pre record and uh, ZK's happy, everybody seems to be happy. That is ZK happy. <laughs> if you could see him right now, that would be ZK happy. And we are uh, Thank uh, you, Mayor Cruder, for so, capturing that moment. So therefore we're here on a Tuesday night and doing Wednesday mornings JM in the AM. Gives me an opportunity to remind everybody about a couple of things. Special guest in our studio coming up tomorrow on Thursday. Right. Um, we have uh, the documentarian who uh, who's responsible for Operation Wedding about the episode in uh, 1970 where Soviet refuseniks, who at that time didn't realize they were refuseniks, I don't think, um, were trying to steal a plane to head to Israel, which right. is pretty cool. So we'll speak with her in studio. And then Thursday, tomorrow, Manischewitz brings us at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern time up to Wesley Kosher in Muncie. And we get a chance to do what we do best, and that is a live lunch with a, a lot of fun. Who scheduled all this? I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, you'll get that speech uh-huh. later tonight. Okay. Uh, that's where we get an opportunity to have some fun, ask some trivia, give right. away prizes, meet some people. And see the new Manischewitz products and that are coming new, out for Pesach. And see all the new Manischewitz products. We're going to be doing that tomorrow between 11 and 1. You're all invited to join us at Wesley Kosher and to watch it all live, of course, at NahumSiegel.com. Uh, video of this morning's show. Uh, is also available now at NahumSiegel.com, so everybody out there can enjoy it, look in and see what's been happening. Um, so the reason I emphasize the pre-record uh, in, in, in turning to you to help with this morning's introduction is because 
we had the opportunity with Mark Rosenberg of uh, Nefesh Benefesh to visit schools on Tuesday. We'll Huge p- shout out to Mark Rosenberg. A hundred percent. And uh, and we're going to be doing we're going to be doing more after this show. We're going to be visiting other schools in the Boca region. And there are a couple of observations that I think are really important to make, uh, especially for those of us that sort of bridge generations that are old enough to say that, you know, we've lived in a couple of different eras and eras of Aliyah and eras of uh, American Jewish feeling toward Israel. Can we we bring Mark on? Of course we're going to bring him on. Not yet, but we're going to bring him on. Okay, I just want to make sure. That's my hint to Mark that he's on deck. Yeah. (laughs) And and, uh, there was a lot of reassuring, to say the least, there's a lot of reassuring developments that happened in those encounters in the school that were, uh, uh, that I felt were really important lessons to learn, and we're going to discuss those with him. We should also discuss and, and, sorry, and explain to to the audience what we were doing at the schools in the first place. There well, was a goal. There was a matara, so to speak. Yeah, the goal is to partner, and this amazing partnership we have in Nefesh Benefesh, uh, we on the communication end, they on the Aliyah end, have this opportunity to uh, really spread the word, like we do on the radio, like we do in other forum. Um, th- here we had a chance to go into schools and meet hundreds of students and really spread the word of uh, how important it is to be connected to Israel, even if it's not moving to Israel immediately or right. ever just to be connected to Israel. Right. And we'll speak with him in the next segment about that. We so had some phenomenal questions. A lot of good things. And to save that, because we're going to be speaking I'm not, I'm not doing it. We're going to be speaking about there. it. And, um, and I'm just trying to think. I think there was one other, I think there was one other item I wanted to mention um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of our schedule. I, I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that tomorrow on Thursday, Leif Tahar is expected to be on the air with us. At some point, I will. I will I think so. I will double check that. And and if in fact they are, then that means that uh, we'll continue this tradition of featuring a whole bunch of brand new Jewish music. Correct. And in this case, and it'll next be theirs. Week. And next week, uh, you've arranged uh, for Arya Kunstler and Company. Correct. And when we say company, we mean some real powerhouses. Yep. To join us in studio. With um, Beats 2.0. Correct. Beats 2.0, great brand new album, and of course, we'll try to beg them to do some live music, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so. Lots of stuff going on. Lots of stuff going on here at the Nachum Siegel Network. All right, Mark Rosenberg is going to join us and plenty more coming up. Keep it right here, everybody. You are listening to JM in the AM on a Wednesday morning, and we are doing our radio show on a Tuesday night from Boca Raton Synagogue in Florida. Glenn, va 
J.M. in the A.M. with uh, Eitan Katz, uh, Miriam Wallach with me, and uh, we are joined by Mark Rosenberg. Uh, Mark, the director of uh, North American Aliyah? Yep, good morning. That's right. Yep. North yeah. American Aliyah <laughs> with Nefesh Benefesh. 
as we uh, as we broadcast on a Tuesday night, but you're hearing this, of course, Wednesday morning at JM in the AM. For those of you who just tuned in, we pointed out a couple of minutes ago that we spent time on Tuesday at different schools in the Boca region, Jewish schools in the Boca area, and we plan on doing the same thing on Wednesday. Um, our teamwork of uh, the Nachum Single Network and Nefesh Benefesh brought us to these schools with a message of uh, connectivity with um, a North American jury and they themselves, students themselves and their families with the state of Israel. And uh, Mark Rosenberg was uh, brilliant in answering the questions of the students. They were well, tough questions. Well, two things I want to point out, and you, we've already pointed this out off the air, but I think it's important for our listeners to hear. Uh, you said uh, in review of the two events today that these students, many of them in 6th, 7th, 8th grade, these students asked the same questions that people ask when they call the Nevis Nevis office. And we're talking about full-fledged adults who are ready to move to Israel. 100%. We have an event in an hour uh, this evening or tomorrow, right. every night of this week. <laughs> um, and people are going to ask almost every question except for the, the, none of the students asked about taxes. But oh, they asked true. every other question. Do I get a free true. flight? Um, am I eligible? My parents were born in Israel. Can what I still make Aliyah? Where should I live? Right. How do people find jobs? Can I have your job? How much do you make? People asked lots, lots of tough adults, questions. Adults ask you how much you make? Because um, when we got that question, I was like, what, are my kids in the room? Yeah. Um, it, it's one of the things about Israelis. Yeah. Ah, variations ah, of it, I'm sure, happen. Okay. And the other thing was, and Miriam and I were discussing this before, that the... It is amazing. We I, we asked the question, how many of you have been to Israel? Almost every hand goes up. You said 90%. I think it may even have been more. Uh, how many people have uh, relatives, friends, I mean, family rather, in Israel? Again, 90% of the hands go up. It's amazing. It was shocking. Yeah. It was shocking. I think that I was less surprised about how many people had visited Israel, and that was right. nearly 100%. Um, considering all the trips and, and, and how much easier it is that when I was a young person in school and we made that first trip when I was, uh, I was I, uh, close to, I think, 17. Um, but I think that one of the things that really struck me from the evening we had with Tony Gilbert and Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Fess here at the Boca Raton Shul was I don't think we asked that question 15 years ago in the same school, in the same community, how many people had a relative living in Israel? I think we might get maybe 10 kids in the room have their hand up. That to me was like, wow, moment. To see that in 15 years, almost 90% of the people in the room know of someone who's living their everyday life, not coming for the Chagim, not, not there on yeshiva for the year, who is actually living in Eretz Israel is remarkable. And that is like a, a tremendous kudos to the founders of Nefesh Benefesh. Mark Rosenberg with us. So generally speaking... Uh, this process of trying to attract Jews from North America to move to Israel can be, as we know, extremely rewarding and sometimes frustrating. Uh, this experience in the schools must have been on the rewarding side, meaning, yeah. meaning that if we're, if we're wondering if there's the potential to continue this incredible movement of North American Jews to Israel, this was a great indication that the possibility certainly exists. Fantastic. I think that uh, I was inspired from it. And I think that uh, one of the things that uh, I don't want to be critical. I mean, I, yeah, I, of course not. I, I We're think, just analyzing. I think that uh, so much of the change in our world and even affects the Jewish world is coming from the grassroots, from the people. And I think organizations are having a hard time keeping up with that. If you look in the political realm, that is for sure true. And you see that in the Tea Party and many other revolts that are going on. The people are 
pushing the parties in a certain direction, whether the leaders are sitting in rooms smoking cigars trying to decide things. And I think that happens in uh, some of the movements and, 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 and the synagogues are slower to react to the change. So when you go to a school mm. and you see that this is what's on their mind or this is their connection, it's not surprising that you see this. That's, that's one point I want to make. And the second point is that, again, you look back 15, 20 years ago, how many kids from schools were spending a year in yeshiva and seminary? It wasn't normative. Right. Kids were coming. I, I, I've when I was a teen, it just started being a concept. So my, my father-in-law spent a year at Karen Biavna, right. and he says that they had a Hanukkah Chagiga. You know, he's uh, you know, a wonderful person over the age of 60. They had a Hanukkah Chagiga, and they had all the boys and girls in one bus. <laughs> okay? Uh, uh, you know, Hakotel can't fit on one bus. Right. Uh, Midmo can't fit on one bus. Midrash Moriah. It's amazing to think that growth. So to see that, 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 that type of connectivity, that type of relationship is really being nurtured is such a positive sign for the Jewish future, but also for that, that connectivity to Israel. And that's, that's, to me, something that we obviously will benefit from, but it's, it's such a shefa, it's such a bracha for, for Am Yisrael. All right, you know where Miriam and I hang out in the New York area. Do you think there's any reason to suspect that those numbers will not be exactly the same if we walk into any school that we're used to uh, you know, visiting in the New York, New Jersey area? Probably the same 90%, right? Um, I would... I would bet it's probably the same 90%, but not necessarily across the board because there is such a, there is a diversity of the number of schools that right. are in the New York area. And so there's a greater variety of demographics that are available in the That's New York, true. New Jersey area. So I would, you know, we refer to the Yeshiva League schools, right? right? So if we went to the Yeshiva League schools, we would have high that, numbers, right? right? We'd have high numbers. We'd have that kind of response, and that's what we would expect. We'd also expect high responses in terms of the question, which I loved: How many of you have been to Israel? Right. And every hand shot up, with very few exception. Really, with very few exception. Mm -hmm. I would hope that there would be, um, you know, a, a strong response like that from various demographics in many different neighborhoods. And I'm not. Uh, sadly, I'm not convinced that, that it would be. Right. Good point. Very good point. A majority of American Jews still have never visited Israel. Right. And that's, right. I think, especially if you look into the Orthodox world, it's much more normative. Um, and despite uh, 200,000 um, North American Jews going on birthright, right. this, the majority of them have never been to Israel once. I mean, right. it's, I think the statistic's like 10%, right? Like no, I think... No, 10% I think, have. No, no, I think it's already up to 30%. Oh, it because, is? Because, because birth, birthright birth birth has, has really pushed right. that number up. Right. Um, so that's remarkable. I think that it's also... I, I think the, in the New York, New York, New Jersey area... I'm from New Jersey, so I want to give that in there. Um, <laughs> the New York, New Jersey area, we would, we, would, we, would, we would see that percentage. But I think that's the transformation that when you have a relative living in Israel... Um, it, it brings the news home much more. It's not abstract, oh my goodness, there's, there's a heat wave in Israel or there's a power out in Israel or God forbid there's uh, some sort of activity going on. It's, oh, it's my relative. Uh, oh, th that person is drafting to the army. Oh my goodness, that person is undergoing that process. It brings it home, that connectivity, especially now with we have all this social media. It's in, your, it's in your WhatsApp group. It's in your family. So the connectivity is strengthened by that and it's, it's, we're only going to reap the positivity of that relationship and it's a, it's a really good sign. All right, aside from Nefesh Benefesh, uh, today's experience told you that who's doing a good job? Is it Jewish families? Is it the schools themselves? Or is it a combination of everything? I think that you can tell um, I'm, you, when you have children in school, but when you walk into the school, you can tell from the moment in that it's a fantastic, um, fantastic uh, educational system. Uh, from the moment I walked into the two schools today, you, you sense that, that, that there are educators that are there. You sense the feeling from the students, how they're smiling in the school. And only meeting them confirmed that. So I think that uh, obviously the first credit I would like to give is to the school because right. that's where we were. 
but it's the it's it's the combination of of the of the family and the school um, and traveling around you see that that it, it's built on the idea of community and I, I just want to throw this one last point out there sure. and that's one of the challenges of Aliyah for people is community is so specifically defined here between the school the shul and the home and then when they come to Israel it's suddenly wow the shul isn't the center of the community wow my school I have so much more options because all the schools are, are Jewish, um, and that, that throws people in that pickle of, I had this strong community, and we saw such a beautiful campus today mm-hmm. um, that they're building here in Boca Raton, amazing, amazing facilities, and, and, and organized into the, into the greater Jewish framework that they can really have interaction with, with multi-generational audiences. So it, it, when you have that framework, it's so successful here, but it's definitely one of the interesting twists about building your life in Israel. And I think we have to mention that because it was so unique. Uh, you've seen many nice campuses in right. the New York, New Jersey area. Can you describe what well, we saw at the no. Council of School today. <laughs> no. That was, um, it was... Anybody who comes down here should pay a visit. <laughs> right. I mean, it should be, uh, it should be on, your, on your tourist list. You're hitting this place, you're hitting that place, and you're going to visit the Federation campus. The, 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 it, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, the location of the Hill Cats Yeshiva, the middle school and the elementary school, etc. And they're building um, a, a massive facility for the Weinbaum Yeshiva High School kids who are... Uh, in the second half of this building here right. at BRS, uh, to take occupancy, hopefully in the next couple of months. And it is, it, it's, it's incredible. The I mean, sports fields are larger than any of our facilities first of all, combined. First of all, there's grass. <laughs> there's grass. Their kids play on grass. And that was the, I mean, <laughs> there, and when we're, when we're going, when we're getting this tour, and Rabbi Brody says, says, that's where the soccer field will be. I'm like, oh, right. of, course of course, that's where the soccer, soccer right, field. Of course, of yeah. course. And, and it looked like a full-length real yes, soccer field. Yes, and regulation, shall exactly. we say? Olymp- exactly. Olympic length. Exactly. <laughs> Where's the pool? Um, but it's but it's great. And to invest in Jewish education is is an investment for all of us. That's yeah. for sure. But I also think, just going back to what Mark was saying in terms of just the questions and the and the demographic and how immediate current events and news right. you know is today is that it was also reflective in the kids those students were very insightful very informed clearly have their pulse on so much more than we did when we were in middle school i remember being in high school and we had a sub for social studies one day and yes and we were this was the only time where we were totally taken with the sub and wished Mm -hmm. our teacher never came back Mm -hmm. why because she was an attorney and she didn't teach from the textbook she used to bring in the new york times and she said to us you always check a2 check the which check the synopsis if you don't see anything about israel you can close the the entire (laughs) section you don't need to read anything else but every single day check the review and see if there's anything about israel you need to know what was going on. Mm. I was in a 10th or 11th grade at the time, and that's when I was educated into, wow, there's, there's stuff going on in Israel I need to know about. Mm-hmm. And kids know that today. My, my children have the Seva Adom alerts mm-hmm. on their phones. But why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they be that connected? And that opportunity presents itself now, and it didn't present itself then, but the questions and the caliber of the questions and the intuitiveness of the questions that we got from these middle schoolers today not only speak to the schools and the parents and, and 
collectively mm-hmm. the environment here in this community, but also the immediateness and the awareness mm-hmm. that kids have today that they didn't. A number of times Rabbi Fass asked me how the school visits went. Rabbi Fass, of course, the leader of Nefesh Benefesh, for those of you just tuning in after all these years. Uh, <laughs> and, and I said to him in, in, in one of my sound bites, I tend to sometimes speak in sound bites, and in one of them I said to him, at some point, one of the kids we saw today is going to say they moved to Israel because of today's session in their Absolutely. school. Absolutely. Because it was just, you saw how they were taken with all kinds of, and like you said, Mark, with the questions, it was obvious they were completely involved. They were engaged. Yeah, they 100%. were so engaged. So I'm, and speaking I, of Rabbi Fass. I see myself as an educator, and I, I put those goggles on there, and you, you see that happening. I, we had a question from a, an incredible young woman. We were asking questions. Most of the questions were about Israel, right. about life in Israel, what's your favorite sports team in Israel. And this one lady asked, is, um, how do you define helping other people? Right. Oh. So you, you, you see how that. How much time did we have <laughs> at that point, right? You also saw, I, I always tell people when they come to Israel to judge the school based on recess, how people behave in recess. And you saw that, the, I mean, the kids were menschlich, they were, they were nice, they were, they, they were acting appropriate. Um, and it's really... Uh, it's really a, a, a privilege to have that experience, especially when you can flash, you can flash forward and say, wow, how, you know, are 10% of these kids eventually going to be living right. in Israel? Or more. It is an incredible study. There's a great organization I'm sure you guys talk about here a lot, um, JLIC, the Jewish right. uh, uh, on-campus initiative of the OU. Mm-hmm. They did this fascinating study that I'm not sure I'm supposed to talk about quite yet, but it's early, so maybe people aren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> I would um, doubt that, but okay. And they're doing a survey. That I was told that they're doing a survey about what are, what are 18-year-old uh, Yeshiva Day School graduates thinking about. So I asked them, so what are they thinking about Israel? And they said that it's something like 30, 32% of them are I- actively interested in making Aliyah, and another 30% are, are interested, which is saying that 60, 65% of the kids who are graduating are, education, are, 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 are graduating with an education that says they want to live in Israel. Now, the numbers do not translate that way. Otherwise, I think I'd be getting a promotion. <laughs> um, I, I, I clarify, I do not get paid or, yes, or bonuses it. per... Uh, Ask the kids. They'll tell you yes, today. Yes. They learned how you get we paid. Right. <laughs> We're familiar with your sense of humor at this point. Right. But it, it, was, it, was, it was really remarkable to see that that is such a strong um, core connection. I use that word, a core connection to Israel. Um, and it was it was great to share that um, from your perspective, from my perspective, and 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 to and to um, give that per, uh, give that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Give that uh, like historical sense, just to the practical questions. Thank you, Mark Rosenberg. An absolute pleasure to have you on the air, and it was great uh, getting into a different arena with you today. Can I give a shout out to both of you though, while you still have your headset on, as an observer, because I did not participate in the in the event as much as I was an observer and sort of, you know, producing from behind the scenes necessary when necessary. It was phenomenal watching the two of you in action. Well, thank you very it was much. really quite great. In, unbelievably articulate, passionate about both sides. Thank you. We may and take the show on the road. Oh, if I knew I was getting an announcer <laughs> voice. But no, seriously, it was very you. impressive and call it Kavod. Miriam, there are a lot of guests coming up. I, you're throwing me out, aren't you? No, oh, I'm okay. saying there are a lot of guests yes, coming up. Yes, we have a great and, lineup. And you could, we have you three help, pages of lineup. And you could help me preview that uh, many great rabbinic leaders from around North America will be on this program, and starting in the next few minutes. Looking forward. So, yeah. Looking forward. It's a great Certainly. cross-section of diaspora jury and a great cross-section of their leadership, and um, it's a packed show. All of whom, I'm sure, will have a nice message regarding the 15th anniversaries I pointed to Big 15 of Nefesh Ben Nefesh. Yes, and many of whom are New Yorkers who were enjoying the outside weather. <laughs> 
<laughs> what about Rabbi uh, Kalmer from Milwaukee? He must be in seventh heaven. <laughs> yeah, he probably doesn't even own. Probably bought a short sleeve shirt just for this trip. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. We're in Florida on a Wednesday morning.
אתם קידושים, אם אתם אתם, אם אתם אתם קידושים, אם אתם אתם, אם אתם אתם קידושים, אם אתם אתם, אם אתם אתם J.M. in the A.M. Zabeni Friedman, you heard Simcha Liner before that. Rabbi Jonathan Morgenstern is with us. He of the uh, Young Israel of Scarsdale. He is here with the Y.U. Yarche Kala down in Boca as we present our J.M. in the A.M. Wednesday broadcast from here. Rabbi Morgenstern, welcome to J.M. in the A.M. Thank you. It's been a long time. It has awesome. been a long time. I would say, uh, well, we know for sure that you were on the air with me over 20 years ago. I was. Have we seen each other since? I think Maybe there, was, once or twice. there was a brief Jewish music uh, foray for a little bit. Oh, I remember that, in fact. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it's nice to reunite down here in beautiful Florida. Um, so first, before we talk about the 15th anniversary of Nefesh Benefesh, we're going to get everyone's comments about that. Uh, tell me about the Young Israel of Scarsdale. How, is the, how would you describe the community up there? The Young Israel of Scarsdale is a diverse community. It is a, uh, you know, they use the word big tent. Um, I, like it's a, I like saying that it's a... It's a big community with a very small town feel. Everyone fits, every type of hashkafa, every type of person uh, from different backgrounds. And uh, you could have someone who learns dafyomi every day sitting next to someone who didn't even have uh, any, sa- any sort of Jewish education. And uh, they'll be davening together and be makabal each other. How long have you been the rabbi up there? I've been affiliated with the shul since 2001, well, 2000, wow. actually, and I became the senior rabbi under tragic circumstances in uh, 2008. Wow. Um, rabbi Jonathan Morgenstern with us, Young Israel of Scarsdale. So we're here, and uh, today we had an opportunity to visit some of the schools that are in this area and see that, the, uh, that thank God, the children, it seems, the students, uh, in fact, are surrounded by a pretty deep connection when it comes to Zionism in Israel. How would you describe the way your synagogue uh, continues to connect people to the Holy Land? So what I would say is that uh, the religious Zionist community is in, uh, is in really good shape as far as the schools that our kids go to, um, you know, in the tri-state area, um, but also in shul. We, we preach these ideals, we preach these ideas, and I think they meld one into the other. I see constantly, I was telling Rabbi Fass earlier, um, constantly, Kids specifically are graduating high school, going to Israel for a year or two, um, and then picking up and moving to Israel. I would say that about every other week I get a uh, Jewish um, authenticity uh, letter request, which is a Ah, a letter that the rabbi has to fill out for Aliyah. Um, It happens all the time. So uh, this is very good news, to say the least, and, and we hope that that trend continues, that's for sure. It's 15 years of Nefesh Benefesh. Uh, any special message or uh, anything you'd like to say about uh, observing them for the last 15 years? Yeah, uh, I would definitely say that, that from the moment that Nefesh Benefesh made a splash, I, I remember it, and I was, you know, it was very early on in my rabbinic career. I was more in, in teaching at the time, uh, but I remember it happening. I know how many people... Uh, they've helped, they've nurtured, they've developed and encouraged to, to move to Eretz Yisrael, which is, which is really incredible. One of the things I want to I wanna, uh, just point out is something I said to the Rabban and Rabbi Fass asked about this beautiful Misha Beirach, that he worked very hard on, on uh, formulating, you know, from some other texts, a Misha Beirach for Olim. 
And I know that they, I've seen like videos where they say it, you know, uh, for the for the olim, either in the airport when they get there or before they go. Um, we do it in shul. Uh, on the Shabbos before, they're making uh, the people are making aliyah in our Mazel Tov section. Obviously, we put it in, and we give the uh, the Ola an aliyah. Or if it's a uh, if it's a woman, we ask her to to rise. And I say this very special Misha Berach, and uh, it's a it's a moving and powerful testament uh, to where our hearts are and what we ultimately want for our children. And I think that if you know if you can't get the you know, the, the 30 or 40 something with uh, three or four kids to pick up. I mean, Jew, you know, tuition for Jewish schools really helps. But if you can't get them to pick up and move to Eretz Yisrael, seeing, being inspired by our children moving to Eretz Yisrael uh, really sets an amazing example. And hopefully they may not go as parents, but God willing, they'll go as grandparents who want to be with their kids. Have you visited any of your members in Israel who've actually moved there already? A hundred percent. Yeah. All, all the time. We, we maintain connections all the time. It's a pleasure to see you again, Rabbi Jonathan Morgenstern, Young Israel of Scarsdale. Continue your amazing work, and uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Nachum. A shout-out to Rabbi Mayor Schiller. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> One of our great connections from a very long time ago, to say the least. There he is, Rabbi Morgenstern. We'll close out the hour. Plenty more coming up here at the Nachum Siegel Network as uh, JMNAM continues from Boca Raton. We have more rabbinic leaders who are going to be joining us. Plenty more to talk about on... This Wednesday morning.
Mordechai Shapiro wrapping up hour number one. We are in Florida, and we are uh, on a Tuesday evening here in Boca at BRS recording a Wednesday morning edition of JMNAM with some great rabbinic leaders and wonderful messages about Aliyah and Nefesh Benefesh as they celebrate their 15th anniversary. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on our beloved NSN app. Yeah. 
מדוע אתם שותקים? מדוע אתם שותקים, רבותיי? מה אתם מחכים? J.M. in the A.M. Seems like a perfect song for our major theme this week. Major theme being Israel, major theme being the connection between North American Jewry and really world Jewry and our beloved state of Israel. One of our favorite guests is here with us down in Boca, and that's Rabbi Yaakov Glasser. Rabbi Glasser is the spiritual leader of the Young Israel Passei Clifton, um, and he is uh, also the uh, David Mitzner Dean of the Center for the Jewish Future, Rabbi Glasser. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. It's great to see you here in Florida. Appreciate that, yes. Nice warm weather spot. We get to uh, sit and schmooze, and now we get to do so on the air. All right, first, Young Israel Passe Clifton. We know, that, uh, we know that you have had an incredible renaissance. We know that there's a brand-new building that you're enjoying. Only since this past Rosh Hashanah, or it's already a year and a half? Uh, it's already closer to a year and a half. Oh, so. And um, it is... The sh- growth of the shul has been outstanding. We're up to about 150 families. We had a young members, Malava Malka, the other night. Uh, 20, 30 families came. Uh, the shul is vibrant. The shul is exciting. There's tremendous programming. The learning's expanded. We're hosting things for the community. The Dafa Shavua, Malava Malka. It's, it's unending. It's amazing. Are they still happy with the rabbi? Well, they're happy that the rabbi's in Florida, <laughs> but uh, don't worry, I'm coming home. <laughs> he won't be here for long, that's folks. Right, that's right. Um, well, the shul continues, as we say, to, as you've just described, and as we always note, uh, to grow and to be an incredible uh, uh, synagogue in Pasei Clifton. Check it out, everybody. It is the young Israel Pasei Clifton under the leadership of Rabbi Glasser. Now, the Center for the Jewish Future uh, up at Yeshiva University, um, there are people out there who would love for you to tell everybody uh, you know, what the center does and what they're responsible sure. for, and do they have a role in what's happening here in Florida? This Very week? much so. The Center for the Jewish Future is the arm of Yeshiva University that takes the inspiration, the education, the scholarship, and all of the personalities of YU and projects it out of New York into the North American Jewish community, really around the world. Uh, Yeshiva University is not just an institution in Washington Heights. It is a living, breathing, pulsating, spiritual center that animates our entire community. And our job at the CJF is through the leadership of the community and through engaging the constituency of the community itself is to educate and inspire Really, North American Jewry. Yeah, there's so much to offer. And this is really, this yeah. could be a topic of a full show. There's Correct. so much to offer for World Jury out of YU that, uh, that the establishment of the Center for the Jewish Future was a brilliant idea. And, and you've mentioned, uh, or you alluded to it, in fact, that the Yarche Kala that's going on down here, uh, CJF, obviously has a lot to do with. Big, yes. Big input into this it. This is definitely one of the crown jewels. I have to say it's uh, under the direction of our senior scholar, Rabbi Jacob J. Schachter, uh, we have a gathering here in Boca Raton right now of 60 rabbis from across North America 
literally representing tens of thousands of families. And the goal of the Yarche Kala is, first and foremost, Rabbi Shachter really serves as a senior rabbinic guide, mentor, teacher, educator. Um, and he is sitting right now in the next room, uh, giving over a tremendous amount of scholarship and Torah and Tochen and all sorts of methodology for rabbis. They could grow themselves. Uh, but the other dimension of the Yarche Kala is it convenes leaders from so many diverse communities. And it allows us the opportunity to really really engage and confront the issues of modern orthodoxy. Do and we, that's what's going on. Here. Do we call this continuing education? This is continuing rabbinic education. Rabbis are always, uh, we call rabbis, Talmidei Chachamim, right. right? So rabbis are always students. Um, and the sermons always have to get longer. So <laughs> One would hope, you right? Gotta, you know, you got to give them something. <laughs> and uh, so you can imagine what goes on here. Yeah. You know, when, when they call for questions and, uh, and we get going. <laughs> People have plenty um, to say. But Rabbi Shachter is excellent at keeping us running on time. But yes, yes, rabbis have something to say. The, the, um, um, the issues of the day in 2017 uh, are scary, and maybe that's the wrong word, but I think you understand what I mean, to, to the average layman in the Jewish community. I can only imagine what it's like for rabbis who are faced with, again, I wouldn't say scary, but challenging and difficult questions to answer, and really, in many cases, difficult policies to, uh, uh, to, uh, in, to um, bring into their synagogues, to, to have in their synagogues. Yeah, there's no question. I would say that it is a very challenging time in Jewish history uh, to be in a rabbinic leadership role, uh, as the community is undergoing a tremendous amount of change just relative to society at large. Uh, but there's also a very exciting dimension about being a rabbi at this point in Jewish history because there's an opening of introspection in our community. There's a confrontation with real issues, substantive issues, and the trajectory is being set uh, today for the foreseeable future in our community in how we confront these issues, uh, whether it is uh, spirituality in our community, the engagement of our youth, uh, the role of women in orthodoxy and women's leadership in orthodoxy. Uh, one of the main issues that we confronted today at the Yarchekala also was surrounding Aliyah. We had the opportunity to have Rabbi Fass with us and have a very open dialogue about what is the role of the communal leader in North America, who themselves are serving in the Gola in helping to propel the future of the Jewish people towards Kibbutz Goliath, towards Eretz Yisrael. And we had some very substantive conversations, some difficult conversations, um, some creative conversations, and that's, that's really, it's an exciting time uh, to be in a leadership position. You're sitting, and those watching can see on the backdrop, you're sitting in front of a big <coughs> number, big because it's 15, it represents 15 years of Nefesh Benefesh. You mentioned Aliyah a moment ago in Rabbi Fass's presentation. Um, uh, tell me your thoughts. Tell me your thoughts about how your congregation and really communities in New York and New Jersey and beyond can continue to connect with Israel, even if, we're, even if we're not living in Israel. Yeah, I think part of the discussion definitely revolved around ensuring that the connection of the community to Israel was not exclusively Aliyah-focused. Right. Um, and that's critical because that, first of all, plants seeds for people for the future when Aliyah may become uh, more of an immediate uh, possibility. It also 
raises a generation that's connected to Israel, one of the real issues that came up was the fact that our grandparents and to some degree our parents lived through certain moments of Jewish history related to the state of Israel that just made such a deep impact and right. impression on their identity. You know, the Six-Day War is obviously 1948. Um, we're now raising a generation that really takes for granted that uh, you go to Israel, you know, you don't even have to take the bus at the airport from right. the plane to the, right? You just walk down the jetway. Right it's like, sleeve, right. you know, from there on in. And it's, you know, how do we, for that generation who really takes this miracle for granted to some extent, arouse a level of passion uh, that is transcendent and transformative and will affect what they do with their future? Uh, so that was part of the conversation. But really deep into the conversation was how do we create an environment where people feel empowered and motivated to explore Aliyah as a real reality uh, for their life and the role that the rabbi could play in, from a pastoral perspective, certainly in guiding some of the issues that mm -hmm. come up, from an inspirational perspective, um, and how we celebrate those who make Aliyah in our community. Uh, in, in the Young Israel Paseya Clifton, when we had our Yom Atzmut celebration this past year, so I was able to get one of the students, one of the young people from our shul, Avichai Waxberg, who's serving in the IDF, I had him record a whole message to the community, and we all stopped and we watched as one of our own is this 18-year-old kid that we all remember in Shabbos groups and then his bar mitzvah, and he spoke in an IDF uniform to his community about what it means to serve the Jewish people. And I have to tell you, that, that's more than any sermon that any rabbi could ever give. And that was, you know, that's, that's really what we're trying to create. We're trying to create a feeling in North American Jewry that Israel is our home, that Israel is where we're headed, that Israel is, is what we aspire to, and, and that there are resources out there in the community like Nefesh B'Nefesh that are ready to, make that, ready to make that a reality. I could always tell when my wife has watched the Nefesh B'Nefesh landing video because <laughs> she just comes into the room and she's just... She's an emotional, you know, it, because you watch that and you say to yourself, how could I not be on that plane? How could I not be on that plane? <laughs> well, Rabbi Glasser, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, he's the spiritual leader of the Yagizu Pesei Clifton, David Mitzler, Dean of the Center for the Jewish Future, Rabbi Yaakov Glasser, here with the Yarchei Kala. Kalakavod, we will continue to tell people that the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. Thank you. That is the real center for the Jewish future. It certainly is. Thank, Thank you, you Rabbi Glasser. A pleasure. Always a pleasure. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM and the AM. And just give me a moment here before we head to uh, the music to review some of the things I wanted to mention. First of all, the uh, Mazel Tov wish going out to Simcha Liner, who's being uh, recognized by Mace Reddish Mayan HaTorah uh, as uh, the Young Leadership Awardee. He and his wife getting the Young Leadership Award this coming weekend. Also, there is a concert calendar happening. Fourth annual benefit concert for Lincoln Square Synagogue will feature Yankee Lemmer and friends and guest artist Shimon Kramer plus Zusha on the night of Thursday, March 2nd. That's Thursday night, this coming Thursday night, tomorrow night, starting at 7.30 p.m. in the Lincoln Square Sanctuary. Chalent and dessert reception will follow. Information at lss.org. That's lss.org. You can also go to the Soul to Soul, Chazdei Soul to Soul presentation, which is happening this coming Sunday, their 15th annual concert, starring Avram Fried in a Bring the House Down performance. is coming Sunday, March the 5th at the Brooklyn School of Music on Claussen Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Information there is 347-688-SOUL, 347-688-SOUL. And a special shout-out to Mayanot Yeshiva High School. Their big dinner is coming up this weekend. And we wish them a very special Mazel Tov and Mazel Tov to all the honorees from all of us here at JM in the AM. More coming up from Boca, part of the Nefesh B'Nefesh 15-year celebration right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. Wednesday with uh, Shalshelis Jr. It's been a while since we've spoken to Rabbi Ari Sittner. He's the Director of Leadership and Community Development at the Center for the Jewish Future. Rabbi Sittner, welcome back to J.M. and the A.M. Thank you. Always a pleasure. I appreciate that. How are things going so far with the Archicala? Phenomenal. This has been the biggest crowd that we've ever had, 60 rabbis from around the country, and the energy amongst the Rabbanim is just phenomenal. A lot of first-timers? We have actually half the group yeah. have been with us for somewhere from 10 to 15 years <laughs> returning, and the other half, this is their first alumni Yarchi Kala. So for those who uh, continue to come back, I guess they consider it a can't-miss event, huh? Absolutely. Very nice. Uh, in your position as Director of Leadership and Community Development, you spend your day basically doing what? I like to say that I help fix broken shoals. Wow. Do some uh, consulting work, training of synagogue leaders, board leaders, um, and we try to do education to um, synagogue leaders and help them uh, to have vision, to have strategic plans for uh, recruitment, for growing membership, um, to help give the rabbis the best partners that they need from their congregations that they can be successful. This in is around business. the whole country? Absolutely. You're visiting them also face-to-face? Face-to-face, through Skype and on the phone, and we're all over the place. I mean, I know that obviously each community has, or every synagogue has different things that they need to address, but is there any common denominator, anything happening today that you would say is, is something that's symbolic of one of the big problems that have to be solved cross-country with this rules? Absolutely. The, the number one request that I've been getting is, you know, Rabbi, we've got this great, wonderful congregation. It's historic. We've got people who put their blood, sweat, and tears into this congregation for 30, 40, 50 years. And then we've got this group we call millennials, people in their 20s and their 30s. And they're not following in our footsteps. They may become late to shul, and they eat our kiddush and the chalent, and they don't pay dues, and they don't volunteer. And what are we going to do about these good-for-nothings, as they put it? And my job is to step in and help bridge the gap and to teach the older generation how to be inclusive and welcoming of a new mindset and then how to teach the younger generation of what it means to step up and fill those needs of, of leadership. How does pay, one do torch. that? It is a long process. <laughs> it's a lot of hand-holding and a lot of education. I can only imagine, my gosh. Well, you tour the country. You see the synagogues in action. Are we doing a good job nationwide when it comes to keeping Israel at the forefront? We are doing a great job. There's always more that we can do. Um, but we have such talented rabbis who have incredible skills, who have vision, who have passion, who care about their congregations, about their communities, and have a, such a deep love for Eretz Yisrael that it, it just gets communicated in all that they do. Well, that's nice. And uh, you know why we're here. We are celebrating the 15th anniversary of Nefesh Nefesh, which began in the same place that you're holding the Yawaii Yarchekala right now at Boca Raton Synagogue. What special message would you give, knowing that they're celebrating this auspicious occasion? Well, for me, I have a, uh, a personal deep connection to Eretz Yisrael and that a piece of me lives in Israel. A piece of you lives in Israel. I have not yet made Aliyah, uh, yet. However, uh, five years ago, I donated a kidney to a woman who lives in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, she was a total stranger. And really, for me, Ahavat Yisrael is, is very much a part of what this is all about. And... Uh, here, I'm a man, she's a woman, I'm Ashkenaz, she's Svart, I'm observant, she isn't. Um, and we come from totally different worlds, but she was dying and I had a kidney that I can give her. And just last week, I went to Eretz Yisrael because she made a wedding for her oldest daughter. She sent me a ticket, said I would not be here if you didn't save my life. And we're not having this wedding unless you're here under the chuppah with us. 
So how does it feel having a part of you in Israel? <laughs> it, there's, a, there's a constant connection. And we, as soon as I walked into the wedding, she came running up to me and just stood at my left side and said, now our kidneys are aligned. <laughs> and uh, there, she said the word is shleimut. We're once again complete. We're whole. Rabbi Ari Sittner is here. Not that it's today's topic, but how is the uh, thought process and the decision-making process when one finds out that they have a kidney that could save someone else's life? Uh, many of us do. Uh, for me, it was a, a year-long process of thinking, exploring, and I actually recently wrote a book called The Kidney Donor's Journey, which is on Amazon, wow. specifically for the purpose of helping people answer those questions. And it, the, the subtitle is 100 Questions I Asked Before Donating My Kidney. It's got to be a process. And there are so many great organizations like Renewal and others that are just trying to help educate. How can we give back to other people? Again, it's about Ahava Yisrael. It's about Tikkun Olam. It's about looking for ways that we can make the world better. Wow. Well, great job, Rabbi Ari Sittner. You did that very well, to say the least. Uh, he is the Director of Leadership and Community Development at the Center for the Jewish Future. In addition to um, being uh, at the YU Yarchekala, he is uh, helping us congratulate our friends and partners at Nefesh Benefesh. Thank you, everybody sitting there. Thank you for having me. Great seeing you. For more coming up, you're listening to JM in the AM. This is the Nachum Siegel Network on a Wednesday morning broadcast. More coming up from Boca Raton, Florida, if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. the A.M. Wednesday morning with Baruch Levine. That's called Ufa Ratsta, a song that actually fits right into our message here with Nefesh Benefesh during this week as we continue to broadcast from down in Boca, the, uh, the place where Nefesh Benefesh was founded 15 years ago. It's a two-day, 15-year anniversary celebration, and uh, we're glad you are part of it here at J.M. in the A.M. I do want to remind everybody that on Thursday, tomorrow, we have a, uh, a full day in our studio on Thursday morning, uh, tomorrow morning with JM and the AM, including the um, documentarian who is responsible for Operation Wedding. Many of you, I'm sure, have, uh, have heard about it. Uh, it is the um, documentary that takes a close look at the episode in 1970 when Soviet refuseniks wanted to steal a plane and go straight to Israel. Speaking of Aliyah, huh? A little bit more of a difficult system than the one that's been created by Nefesh Benefesh. So Anat Zalmanson Kuznetsov is going to be our guest in studio on Thursday morning. Also, the rumor is that Lev Tahar, good possibility Lev Tahar, is going to be with us with some brand new music on Thursday. And don't forget that Manashevitz brings us up to Wesley Kosher up in Muncie, New York at 11 a.m. on Thursday, tomorrow, 11 a.m., uh, for a two-hour presentation presented by Manashevitz. And that will concentrate on Purim and Pesach, some of their brand new products. Naomi Nachman is going to be joining us. A whole host of great things will be happening on Thursday, 11 until 1, um, after JM and the AM during our Thursday live lunch. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zev Ben Yosef Alevi, and Zechonishmas Esther Bas Yosef Alevi. And tonight being the art side of my brother, I will add Zechonishmas Moshe Yona Ben Harav Zev Halevi. Uh, here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. It says in Shmos, Usually, in order for a people to become a nation, they have to dwell in the same land where they were born and raised. If they become uprooted from their land and have to move elsewhere, they can't always maintain their own nationality. B'nai Yisrael, however, became a nation before they reached Eretz Yisrael. We have always been a nation, no matter which land we have gone to. The Yalkut Chodesh explains that the same language is employed with reference to Eretz Yisrael, the Holy Land, as the expression that is used for the Torah. Torah Tzivolonu Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu commanded us the Torah, Moshe, it is an inheritance, Kehilas Yaakov, for the Kehila of Yaakov. Because the inheritance of Eretz Yisrael is not something that a person has an everlasting schus to, we have this privilege if we live a life according to Torah. Our claim to Eretz Yisrael depends on Klal Yisrael guarding our nationality through Shmir Samitzvus in Torah learning. The Michtam Elio says, The fact that we have a Yishuv in Eretz Yisrael today is a nace. It's a miracle. It is among the great chasodim that Hashem has bestowed upon His nation. We are able to come from one extreme, the point of Chorben Europa the Holocaust, to the other extreme and reestablish the yeshivas and the great centers of Yiddishkeit in Eretz Yisrael. We have to remember, though, there is an Eretz Yisrael de la Mata and an Eretz Yisrael Shalmaila, one that is below and one that is above. They both must exist simultaneously. We say in davening, Dovar Tziva Le'elef Dor, it has been thousands of years since we've gone into Golos, into the exile. How does the Ava, the great love, remain in our heart? The Michtam Elio explains 
It's because of the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. That Kedusha continues to draw us near, no matter how long the bitter Golos is. This is the Yerusha, the inheritance that we have from Avraham Avinu. He was Moshe Nefesh. He self-sacrificed for the Nisayan, the challenge of Lech Lecha. The Talmidim of the Belzarevi, Reb Shalom of Belz, had drawn water for the Mayim Shalano, the special water which is used to bake matzahs. When they finished their task, they were leaving the water overnight to use the next day. They wished the Rebbe, L'shana haba B'Yerushalayim, next year in Yerushalayim. The Rebbe asked, why next year? We can take this water that we drew today and we can bake matzahs in Yerushalayim and eat them in the presence of Mashiach tomorrow. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Thank you very much, Rabbi Goldwasser. The um, Morning Chizik this morning for a Wednesday, Lizzie Masar of Zev and Rosa Valevi, Esther Basar Rosa Valevi, and Moshe Yona Ben Harav Zev Halevi. Uh, you're listening to JM in the AM. We're in the second half of our broadcast for a Wednesday, uh, actually recording the show on a Tuesday night at Boca Raton Synagogue, taking advantage of the fact that because the YU Yarche Kala is here at BRS, we have some of the rabbinic leaders from North America uh, able to join us for our broadcast. Rabbi Michael Davies is here all the way from Charleston, South Carolina. It's South Carolina, right? South Carolina. Oh, I'm sure you get that a lot, right? People not knowing which Carolina it is. Uh, he is the rabbi of Congregation Doratikva for how long? Three and a half years. Now, I'll ask you the question that most people are asking themselves right now as they listen to this. What are you doing down in Charleston, South Carolina? What attracted you there? We're doing great things in Charleston. Uh, what attracted me there was I had been there about 10 years prior for a uh, Rosh Hashanah and uh, had a wonderful experience. I found out uh, later down the road, once I was uh, involved in Rabbanus, that uh, they were looking for a rabbi at a brand new shul that happened to be that same minion that we had at Rosh Hashanah those years back, and I remembered it so fondly I had to go check it out, and uh, we stayed. Very nice. What is Charleston like? Is it on the large side in terms of community, the small side? How would you describe it? Um, it's on the growing side. Uh, we are uh, a relatively small community, but uh, we make a big impact, and uh, Charleston in general is extremely popular at the moment. Uh, many people coming through to visit and to come and stay. We knew some people down in Charleston years and years ago. I'm glad to hear that there's a... Uh a nice presence down there these days. Is there a specific industry that people are attracted to or uh, a workforce that uh, is attractive to people down there? There are a number of industries, um, tourism certainly in terms of visiting. Also, there's a uh, significant military presence in the area, um, but uh, certainly in the engineering uh, arena, Boeing has a, a huge uh, operation there and continuously growing, Volvo as well. Um, there's also a high-tech industry in the area, so many different opportunities for people in Charleston. When we visited Charlotte, a neighboring town of yours, I guess, Relatively. <laughs> certainly from a neighboring <laughs> state, it was remarkable to us the respect that the average person there had for Judaism, for Jewish yes. people, etc. Are you feeling the same thing down yeah, there? Huh? Most definitely. And how do you explain that? Um, I think that, well, there's a certain, you know, the southern charm, uh, southern hospitality. There's a welcoming nature in general uh, to the area. Charleston, actually, in its original charter, was uh, welcoming to uh, Jews, and uh, that uh, really continues to be the case uh, to this day. Um, the Jewish community in Charleston is uh, quite, uh, quite old and uh, continues to be, uh, be welcomed amongst the other communities. I think one of the Charleston. first five absorption points for Jews in this country, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Wasn't Charleston one of them? Yeah, I thought so. Along with Galveston and, uh, and Savannah, 
Mm -hmm. uh, New York City, of course. Yeah, that's right. I remember, I remember that. Wow. I remember that from a very long time ago. Uh, how's the YU Yarche Kala going? Have you found it to be beneficial? It's been tremendously beneficial. Um, certainly learning a great deal, and also the discussions are uh, deep and, uh, and, and very important uh, conversations that we're having. It's also great to see Haverim. Uh, that I don't get to see as often as much as uh, Charleston is a tourist destination, and I invite all the Chaverim to come visit, and I invite anyone they to come and visit They don't come down us. enough, huh? Um, well, you know, as, as Rabbanim and as I know myself, uh, we're quite busy, so it uh, doesn't always get the opportunity. That is for sure. A word about the 15th anniversary celebration of Nefesh B'Nefesh. It's the reason we're down here at BRS, where this uh, incredible organization was founded. Are you able to incorporate uh, Zionism in Israel into your uh, education process down there at the synagogue? Um, most definitely. I mean, I think one of the things that we spoke about already in the sense of the uh, welcoming nature of the, of the community and for the Jewish uh, community there, uh, Charleston and South Carolina in general really has been uh, tremendously supportive of Israel as the uh, first state, I believe, that, uh, that made state legislation um, anti-BDS. Also the first state to have uh, vanity license plates saying South Carolina um, stands with Israel. Uh, so uh, really uh, tremendous things on the forefront. Our former governor is now uh, the UN ambassador, right. Nikki Haley, is mm -hmm. doing tremendous work already um, just at the beginning uh, in terms of her support of Israel. Um, so uh, we have a lot, uh, a, lot of, a lot of support there and a lot of connection. Where are you from originally? I grew up in New Jersey. Oh, wow. How do you like that? You discovered Charleston. You want to wish a Mazel Tov to Rabbi Fass and Tony Gelbart for this incredible Nefesh Benefesh organization? Mazel Tov. It's really tremendous. And Mechail uh, Al Amen. Thank you, Rabbi Davies. Nice meeting you. Rabbi Michael Davies is the rabbi of Congregation Dor Tikva down in Charleston, South Carolina. He invites everybody out there to come and check it out, right? No question about it. I thank you for, very much for joining us. More coming up. You are listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM. Roy 
of sheer volume number two it's Avram Freed with that selection Atta Vecharitana we're at the um, at the Boca Raton Synagogue here on a Wednesday morning broadcast of JMA meeting some of the rabbinic leaders from around the country who are not only paying tribute to Nefesh Benefesh during their 15 year celebration but in addition are attending the YU Yarche Kala and giving us a perspective on what their communities are like Rabbi Daniel Korobkin is the rabbi of the Bayit, very, very well-known synagogue up in Toronto, Canada. Rabbi, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. How Good long have you been up in Toronto? This is our sixth year. And how are things going up there so far? Baruch Hashem. The going history well. of the shul is pretty remarkable, right? I mean, it really, at one time, and you could tell me if it's still like this, was the center of the Jewish community of Toronto. Well, Toronto, I mean, it was, it's the, one of the newest shuls. It's only about 30 years old, mm. and the Toronto Jewish community is much older than that. But it was built by Joe and Faye Tannenbaum, famous uh, philanthropists from Toronto. Right. And it's in a community called Thornhill, uh, which is really north of the city. And it's uh, a very, very large kehillah. It is pretty amazing. How many families are there? About 800. That's, is it the largest in North America membership-wise? It could be, right? I, d- I don't think so, but it's, but it's, but it's big. It's big. <laughs> it yeah. certainly is. Uh, Toronto always intrigues me. It seems that... Uh, uh, that they are a hub for a variety of things in the Jewish world, especially the Jewish academic world. You have really uh, people and groups from, of, of all types um, who, are, uh, who are up there uh, in Toronto. Would that be accurate? Yeah, I mean, t- look, Toronto is a different country, but it's the same country. Right. In Canada, people think is America light, but it's really so much more. It's got a very European flair to it. Um, there's a tremendous emphasis on academics and, and, um, and higher education. So we have a very, very high percentage of, uh, of the kids in our shul that, um, and the adults in our shul who are graduates of higher learning. So that would explain 
that. We have a very, very strong from community of all different flavors, right. from Haredi to, uh, to very modern. So there's a lot going on. You have everything covered, huh? <laughs> Looks Pl- like it. Plenty yeah. of kosher restaurants and all the amenities one would expect from a uh, Jewish community. <clears throat> Great kosher restaurants. For some reason, we attract um, Lafa and shawarma places more. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a lot of the Israelis that are there. I, I judge Jewish communities by the restaurants, of course. <laughs> you can see my priority. Uh, Rabbi Korupkin is here, is here from the Bayit up in Toronto, Canada. Well, you know what our focus has been. Well, first let me ask you about the Yarchei Kala, because I don't know how often you get an opportunity to attend these types of gatherings. What do you think of the one that's going on today? Well, um, this is an amazing experience because Rabbi J.J. Schachter, as your, your viewers, your listeners will hear from momentarily, has been running this program in some form for the last 15 years. There are just a couple of us that are here who have been attending for the last 15 years. We started with him when he did the uh, Soloveitchik Institute in Boston 15 years ago. And um, I really consider him to be um, my Rebbe. Um, my other Rashi Yajiv are no longer alive. And so he's really my go-to person, and he is for so many people. I never went to YU. I'm a Nair Israel grad, but he is the, um, the closest to what you would want in a dugma of a, of a rabbi's rabbi, of a rebbe, of a scholar, of a balmidos, and he's just an all-around great person. So he does this every year in Boca, and of course there's the added bonus of getting out of Toronto in the middle of February. <laughs> But, uh, but the main reason we come here is, is because of Rabbi Schachter. And uh, the program in general? A, 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 fill, a full one, correct? I mean, it's very full. It's back-to-back shiurim talks, um, discussions, b- both from a scholarly perspective and also we talk about social issues that are currently, um, uh, currently facing the Orthodox community. Rabbi Daniel Korupkin is with us up in Toronto, Canada. One of the impressions we have is that your community has a strong a connection to Zionism in the state of Israel. How Toronto has a reputation, I don't know, but is it in fact true? It is in fact true. Um, Mizrahi Canada is a powerhouse of an organization. It, um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we're going to be part of a mission that goes to Israel Free Home Yerushalayim with so many other communities. As are we. Wonderful. Are you going to be on the air? Oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Now, our shul, the Bayit, hosts the Yom Yerushalayim um, uh, event for the community um, together with Shari Shemaim. We switch off. But not only that, but our shul takes a mission every December to Israel. We invariably get, we get 20 to 30 people that join us every single year. We bring winter coats to communities where people could use them in the cold winters. We do acts of philanthropy. We, um, we visit different communities in Yesha and other places as well. And so our community feels very connected. So many of our kids join Sahel after school. And so it's a very Zionistic community. Uh, what words would you say to uh, Rabbi Fass and Tony Gelbard on the occasion of their 15th anniversary of Nefesh Benefesh? Oh, it's a tremendous mazel tov. They're heroic people. They're j- what they've accomplished in the last 15 years is remarkable. It's, just, it's been a game changer for the Jewish world. It's been a game changer for um, the relationship between Jews in North America and around the world and, and Eretz Israel. And um, more, more power to them. Chazak Memats. A pleasure meeting you. Same here. Look forward to seeing you up in Toronto. Rabbi Daniel Korupkin, he is the uh, rabbi of the Bayit in Toronto with over 800 families and going strong. Baruch Hashem. Thanks for being, us, uh, Thank thanks for being here today. Thank more coming up. It is a JM in the AM Wednesday as we continue with the Moshav Band here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Wednesday morning with Mordechai and David and company off of Sheer Volume Number 2. Going to give a, uh, a a big thank you to uh, some of the people who, uh, really to all the people who helped make these uh, programs possible, uh, bring us to Boca and celebrate with Nefesh Benefesh and associate ourselves with uh, YU and the Archaikala. I want to thank Rabbi Yaakov Glasser of CJF and Menachem Lewin of CJF for all of their help. I want to thank Matthew Hacherman, the executive director of BRS, the Boca Raton Synagogue, and the entire staff of BRS. We saw them working late at night uh, last night. I'm told it happens every night as the shul continues to be transformed from one event to another. I want to thank Avi Levine and Tani Kramer and Daphne Farkas and of course Tony Gelbard and Rabbi Josh Fass plus Yael Katzman and Aaron Leibowitz and Mark Rosenberg and Ari Shuchman, everybody who uh, is hard working at Evish Benefish with their organization and has partnered with us for this uh, really nice project, the 15th anniversary celebration of Nefesh Benefesh um, over these past couple of days. And uh, I want to remind everybody, we have a full lineup on the Nahum Siegel Network right after JM in the AM. It'll be bite-sized with uh, Yoni Pollock. The interviews this week include Joanna Shepson, who will speak with Jason Gordner of uh, Isratel. Uh, Tova Kinecht will speak with Ari Fold. And Leo Razamik will speak with Naomi Nachman of our Yoni Naomi Nachman, the author of Perfect for Pesach. It's all coming up on Bite Size, followed by Avrami, and yet another amazing Wednesday live lunch. Rabbi Howard Zack is here. He is spiritual leader of Congregation Torat Emet in Columbus, Ohio. He's an executive officer with the RCA, the Rabbinical Council of America. Rabbi Zack, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. Columbus, Ohio, huh? Yep, home of the Buckeyes. That's true. How long have you been there in Columbus? 16 years. Really? Years ago, I was very friendly with a bunch of families from Columbus, Ohio. Maybe some of them are still there. Who knows? Uh, how would you describe the community these days? It's a uh, thriving community, and it's a growing community. There are three Orthodox synagogues in town? There are three Orthodox synagogues. And yours is one of them? Correct. 
How did I learn this? I learned this from oh, from Rabbi Unterman, who had uh, spent a lot of time in Columbus, and I Indeed. spent his past Shabbos with him. Very nice. Indeed. He worked uh, with me for the last five years. Oh, very <clears> nice. <throat> oh, you hang out with good people. I try to. Um, and tell me about, I mean, look, it, thank God it's growing, and uh, nonetheless, there must be challenges for communities that are on the smaller side, so to speak, even with with growth being a very important part of what's happening in the community? I mean, are there schools? Are there the basic Jewish amenities that many of us are, are used to and spoiled with these days? Indeed. We have the three shuls. <clears throat> we have a natural kolel. We even have a shtibel. Mm. There's not enough places to dive in. Um, we have a Columbus uh, Academy, K-12 through uh, day school. And um, we have uh, all the amenities that would make for a very nice uh, community for people that really want to fully actualize their Jewish lives. And Columbus <coughs> is closest to what other major Jewish communities? Uh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, three hours from Pittsburgh, Detroit, Right in the middle of the country, huh? Right smack in the middle. Imagine that. Uh, Rabbi Zach is here, spiritual leader of Congregation Torah Emmeth, Columbus, Ohio. Um, we've been uh, <coughs> concentrating all through these uh, couple of days on this incredible theme of Israel. And... Uh, and I, I would love to know if you're able to incorporate Zionism and Israel education into your congregation and community. Absolutely. Um, both in the, in the uh, topics that we address, both in uh, classes that we teach and obviously in Drashot, but also really in, in, in action. We're putting together a mission for Yom Yerushalayim this year. First time we've done a mission out of the congregation. Nice. We'll be going for Yom Yerushalayim. Um, we were able to mobilize uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, when the Iran um, uh, deal was uh, being uh, much uh, discussed, we, uh, when there was a rally in New York, we loaded up a bus of 40 people. Yes, and we saw you and on we that very corner, visible. Columbus, Ohio. And, yes, yes, yes. And you should know. That was a summer night back in 2015. Correct. And... Mm. 2015. Yeah, yeah, trust me, it was 2015. <laughs> and uh, you were on the corner. I'll never forget this. And I remember, I remember they unfortunately put a group of um, a, a members of the Jewish community who are not always on Israel's side, let's put it that way, right in front of you guys. You remember that? Yes. That was yes. terrible. And you had driven all night to be there, and then you went hours, right back. Ten hours there, ten hours to get there, about four hours there, and ten hours back. Twenty-four hours, people really wanted to be there, and um, yeah, we were very visible, and we were very you proud certainly, of it. I'm telling you, I remember, I remember you right there in the center of Times Square. Pretty amazing. And by the way, am I right or wrong that this past Sunday when we were broadcasting from the mega event for Nefesh Nefesh, we met somebody who actually drove all night just to be at the mega event from Columbus, Ohio? That could very well be. I yeah. don't recall. Oh, I don't want to out anybody. <laughs> I don't know if they've revealed to your community yet that they may be, you know, heading over to the Holy Land. But I think this gentleman's intention it was to join the Israeli army and, uh, you know, and utilize the education he's gotten in Columbus over there in Israel. So don't be surprised if someone approaches you with that piece of news, all right? I won't be surprised. And we, we take pride in, in sending some of our. We have a number of uh, young members of the congregation who have uh, who have made aliyah. They were chaylim uh, and uh, they've done their. They're doing their part. Um, what would you say to Rabbi Fass and Tony Gilbart on the occasion of this 15th anniversary celebration? I think the work that they have done is fantastic, transformative. And I wish them kolakavod to many, many, many more years until there's nobody left to have to make aliyah with them. Amen to that. Thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Rabbi Zach is the uh, rabbi in congregation Torah Emmet in Columbus, Ohio, executive officer of the Council of America. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at nachomsegel.com. 
on the Nahum Siegel Network, and of course, on our beloved NSN app.
JM in the AM, hour number three, Wednesday morning. We are here down in Boca, as you know. Our uh, mission this week to celebrate with our partners in Nefesh Benefesh, the incredible accomplishment of 15 years, 50,000 Olim, as we've been saying. It's really more than that. As families have expanded, families that have moved to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh, they're really responsible for somewhere between 60 and 70,000 uh, brand new people over the last 15 years living in Israel. Uh, here we are at the uh, BRS, the Boca Raton Synagogue, where not only are we celebrating with Nefesh Benefesh, but the uh, incredible Yarche Kala, for, uh, brought to you by YU, CJF, uh, for rabbis from around North America, is taking place as we speak. And with me to my left, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome Rabbi Dr. J.J. Schachter. He is Senior Scholar at the Center for the Jewish Future, Professor of Jewish History and Jewish Thought at Yeshiva University, and based on what the rabbis have told us so far during this show, he is the person responsible for this Yarche Kala. Rabbi Schachter, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Very kind of you to say that, and it's wonderful to be here with you. I wish I had the guts to publicly, in this forum, bring up some of the topics that I think are baffling some of the rabbis in North America now in 2017, and discuss them openly with you. But I don't think I could do that, but I certainly can ask you, how today, in 2017, can a rabbi adjust to what American society, the media, and others are telling our people, and at the same time lead a spiritual congregation? I think it's important for rabbis to draw upon their uh, wisdom, their learning, their knowledge, their time in uh, rabbinical school, in yeshiva, to be rooted in our tradition, and at the same time be very much aware of what's going on in the world around them, uh, brought primarily to them by their congregants, uh, but also based on their own exposure to the world, and work on themselves and together with conversations with others to come up with strategies, with approaches, with methodologies to be able to, on the one hand, be sensitive to, aware of, and integrate some of the values of the culture around us, while at the same time frame them all within the context of traditional Jewish life, traditional Jewish learning, and traditional Jewish values. My initial reaction to that is easier said than done. Uh, therefore, I ask you, have you met rabbis among the group that's with you today at the Arche Kala who are capable of doing what you just described? Well, that's what we spend our time doing here at the Yarche Kala. The point is for rabbis to come together. We have some 60 rabbis here from across North America to come together to grapple with these issues, to deal with these issues. Um, I share a little bit what it is that I feel like I want to share, but I give them not just myself, but I give them one another. And the learning that they engage in and the wisdom that they gain from one another is, I think, primarily the value of this uh, enterprise. Um, they come from different perspectives. They come from different uh, situations, different synagogues, different uh, kinds of synagogues. Uh, it's a tremendous amount of respect and sharing of really practical ways of how to deal with some of the issues that are really uh, tearing apart and challenging our oh, contemporary yes. uh, Orthodox community. Oh, yes. You know, you've been described on more than one occasion so far during this show as a mentor. Somebody that the rabbis, and they've, they've said this, individual rabbis said, I, I have a problem, 
you're the first call. You're the one. You're the one who I'm seeking advice from. Uh, you just made such an important point. You not only need to know the situation and the rabbi. You need to be familiar with what type of congregation it is. Describe to me, rabbi, what the shul is like and what the families expect from you and where people are coming from. That's also a big challenge these days. It's very clear that a rabbi cannot be successful unless the rabbi understands who he is, who it is that he's ministering to. What is the congregation like? Uh, what is their political orientation if there is a sort of a general overall uh, perspective? Uh, what's their religious uh, commitment level? What is their knowledge level? How sophisticated are they in the world at large in terms of what's going on? Uh, rabbi needs to know who he's talking to and then be able to uh, figure out a way how to translate the values of traditional Judaism in a way that will resonate with that particular congregation. We have rabbis here who have really been struggling uh, with uh, some of the issues that are facing uh, the Orthodox community today. There was yeah. a lot of discussion about the recent sock of the Orthodox Union in terms of women rabbis and women leadership. For some rabbis, this is a huge issue, and uh, there is a lot of ferment within their congregations. For other rabbis, it's just simply a non-starter. Right. Rabbi sends out an email uh, linking it, and... Not a single person responds. So clearly, each rabbi is going to have to be able to understand the nature of the congregation that they are serving to be able to address issues that he believes are at the forefront of their minds and to be able to do so in an appropriate and a responsible fashion. Rabbi Dr. Jacob J. Schachter with us, talking about the Archekala here in Boca Raton, courtesy of YU and the CJF, the Center for the Jewish Future. Um, I remember, you know, rabbis, leaders from generations ago who in the 1980s and 90s showed up said, I would never be able to be a rabbi today. Uh, I would think maybe there's some from the 80s and 90s who today would say the same thing. You know, the 80s and 90s was one thing, but now I can never be a rabbi. What do you say when someone would say something like that, like that to you? Do they simply not understand that many of these challenges are the same or that the challenges, as enormous as they look, are still able to be coped with or dealt with? Well, I think times have changed from the, from the 80s and the 90s. Um, you know, we both are uh, sons of great rabbis of the previous generation uh, on whose shoulders we stand today in the contemporary American Orthodox community who faced very different kinds of challenges in their rabbinate than the kinds of challenges that we face today. Uh, that being said, the notion of figuring out a way how to present Judaism uh, in a compelling fashion that will speak to the issues, that will resonate with the people, that will inspire the congregants, given the particular situations and world views and challenges that they face, that's a similar challenge. Right. The issues are different. The, the methodology, the phenomenology of bringing Judaism to bear, traditional Jewish values to bear on a complex world is the same. Um, and I think uh, the reason why we are able to do what we did is because there were rabbis before us, like your father and my father, who uh, paved the way, who were deeply rooted in American culture, understood the world, deeply committed to traditional Judaism, spoke with a great deal of elegance and passion, highly articulate, and were able to model for their congregants that you could be American, you could value American culture, you could present American values, and not for a shred of a moment uh, compromise one iota on the substance of traditional Judaism. And we're just simply standing on the shoulders of these giants and utilizing that methodology 
in ways that are relevant to the situation and challenges that we are facing right. today in 2017. Oh, no question about that. Um, we, we're here down in Florida because we're helping to uh, celebrate with our partners in Nefesh Nefesh's incredible accomplishment. We talk about Israel education, Israel being a focal point in congregations and schools across North America. Are we doing a good job? Are rabbis uh, responding by keeping Israel at the forefront in general? Um, it's interesting that you raised it because we were blessed at uh, one of the sessions of our conference and we are thrilled to be able to be here together with Nefesh Benefesh and to celebrate the incredible, incredible contribution that Nefesh Benefesh has made to the uh, contemporary Jewish world. And we had a pleasure of engaging Rabbi Fass in a conversation and we think it became clear that we're not doing as much as we should be doing uh, for uh, Israel education not even so much Israel education, but Israel is a value. Um, one of the issues we grappled with is here we have 60 rabbis, uh, Orthodox rabbis, traditional rabbis, rabbis for whom Israel is clearly important who are not living in Israel. So if Israel matters to you, what are you doing here? You should really get up and go. And how can you tell other people to go and make it a big deal if you're not going to go? There's a sense of feeling hypocritical. And that was a big issue that we were grappling with to try to be able to fashion a authentic perspective that we have on Israel, while at the same time uh, being pro-Israel and in favor of Israel. And right. Rabbi Fass challenged us to share the tension. We feel tension. There certainly is a part of us that says, you know what, maybe we really should be in Israel. Yes, I know the challenges. There is no modern Orthodox rabbit in Israel. What am I going to do? I feel I could have much greater of an impact here. I have a whole community that looks for me there. I'll be a small fish in a big pond. I understand it's an eternal value to try to strengthen Israel. But do you share this with your congregants? Do you tell them, part of me really wishes I should be there because it's really so important? Part of me remembers the year or two or three that I spent in Israel that was so transformative for me. Do we share this with our students? Our students, our young people, grew up after the founding of Israel. They grew up after 1967. Israel is strong. Baruch Hashem Shechianu Vikiyamanu. There is no sense of, oh my God, what a miracle. We were both around in 1967. Oh my God, what that was like. And I internalize that, but do my grandchildren get that and feel the excitement and the drama and the blessing? That's where I think we need to be doing more. I'm not talking about countering BDS and why Israel is important and what's going on on the West Bank and how do we understand Israeli history. It's much more visceral, it's emotional, and that's what I think is really going to make the difference. And that's where I think uh, we are leaving this conference, having had the opportunity to engage with Nefesh Benefesh, much more sensitized to that particular issue about Israel, not so much advocacy, not even so much engagement, but, but awareness, drama, and passion. Phenomenal. Uh, so you join me in wishing a special mazel tov to the folks in Nefesh Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think Rabbi Fass said that... Um, he said it with a great deal of diffidence, and he quoted somebody else, that uh, they've been responsible for more olim than Ezra and Nehemiah. Right. So when you think about that, I mean, that is a real, when he said that, talk about oh a piece my of God, history, talk huh? about <laughs> an, a commitment, talk about an accomplishment, talk about an achievement, call a kavot to them. It's a thrill for us at Yeshiva University, at CJF, to be able to be here with them, to benefit from them, 
and to uh, take this opportunity to wish them well and to thank them so much for their extraordinary contribution to the Jewish people. They thrill for me to have you on the air. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Dr. Jacob J. Schachter, of course. He's senior scholar at CJF, University Professor of Jewish History and Jewish Thought at Yeshiva University. We continue on a very, very special Wednesday edition of JM in the AM down in Boca, where it all began with Nefesh Benefesh 15 years ago. I hope you had an opportunity to see the armchair conversation that we... uh, uh, that we presented on Monday night. If not, it's up on the website at NahumSiegel.com. Take a look and enjoy uh, the seriousness and the humor uh, that came out that night when reflecting back on 15 years of Nefesh Benefesh. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. Wednesday, Rabbi Tzvi Engel is joining us. He is the uh, rabbi in Skokie, Illinois, Congregation Or Torah. Uh, rabbi Engel happens to be a cousin to our very own Wheel of Fortune phenom Yoni Pollock. Indeed. Uh, in addition, he seems to know my entire family that's in Skokie, Illinois, so that I thank you for that as well. Uh, rabbi Engel, welcome to J.M. and the A.M. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Uh, how many years are you in Skokie, Illinois? I arrived there in 2008. Oh. So that's uh, quite a while already. It's a little while. Nice, quaint community. How would you describe Terrific it? Terrific community. Energized community. Vibrant community. We were Lots impressed. We were impressed with Chicago when we went to visit and did a show from there recently. We were also, we've been impressed with Chicago over the years because mm-hmm. YU Kolel seems to be amazing yes, there. Yes, the YU and Kolel, an important feature of the community. Right. Very and strong. In addition to that, there's a, uh, <laughs> there's some great... Um, Kosher restaurants. I had a feeling you were going to bring that up. Yes, indeed. Well, I, Good said, I said to somebody earlier that we judge Jewish communities by the quality of the kosher restaurants. If we so. do, there's a lot to recommend us. There certainly <laughs> is, yeah. Chicago, center of the country. W- w- worth a stopover to go and, uh, and check out some of their delicious uh, delicacies. Um, so tell me about the community. You know, uh, look, uh, you know, some of the people who have been joining us, some of the rabbis from the Arche Kala, they're representing places we really have no idea what's going on. Right. You know, Charleston and, uh, right. and, and Columbus, we had no clue. Sure. Skokie, we have an idea because it's such a vibrant, historic, and still very active Jewish Baruch community, Hashem. right? It's a very active Jewish community. Um, Skokie is uh, integrated, fully integrated in the Chicago Jewish community, broadly speaking. Right. And uh, our shul, I'm proud to say, is uh, heavily involved on all levels. And community affairs. How you Lots of shul, the, uh, schools. How are you enjoying the Yachikala so far? Yachikala is amazing. Uh, anything that, uh, anytime I have opportunity to be with Rabbi Jacob J. Schachter, one of my rebbeim, it's fantastic. Um, obviously, all the organizers from the CJF, and uh, we got to meet President-elect Rabbi Dr. Ari Berman. Right. It was nice to connect with him again, and um, we wish him bracha natslacha. That's all for sure. Here. We hope to speak to him at some point yeah. on the air. Uh, speaking to Rabbi Tzvi Engel, uh, Congregation or Torah, Skokie, Illinois, with us at JM in the AM. Uh, one of the things we've been talking about, and uh, this in- interesting combination of Nachum Sigal Network and YU Yarchei Kala and Nefesh B'Nefesh's 15th anniversary celebration is uh, what type of job we're doing nationwide throughout North America in terms of Israel education, keeping Zionism at the forefront, uh, reaching our children and adults with messages about uh, about Israel. How how are they? How are you doing in that category in Skokie? The community is doing great. Uh, I don't know if I'm contributing to that in a positive vein. I hope so. Um, we have, a, I would say, a very um, energetic community when it comes to Zionism. The religious Zionists of Chicago is pretty active. Right. Um, and uh, our kids, in, at least in, in our shul at Or Torah, Congregation Or Torah, uh, we have nearly 400 families in the congregation, um, and the vast majority of them have their kids in um, one of the day schools. My kids are there, Hillel Torah, North Suburban Day School. Many of the high schoolers go to Ida Crown Jewish Academy right. under the leadership of Rabbi uh, Leonard Matanki and Blad uh, B'nai Kiva. A lot of involvements. So uh, I think we're doing okay. Uh, but I don't want us to rest on our laurels. And I think one of the messages we heard today from Rabbi Fast, loud and clear, is uh, from his vantage point, there's a lot more that needs to be done. Um, I talk fairly frequently about Israel, activism, and engagement. Um, I perhaps come by it naturally um, in terms of my feelings and my, my right. convictions. Um, I originally herald from Montreal. Canada. I wonder where that accent was from. That's a Canadian accent, which I can turn on and off at will, wouldn't you know? (laughs) That's helpful. Uh, Which is sometimes helpful, (laughs) eh? And um, uh, be careful with that. ZK's um, got Montreal roots, so we know all about the A. It's important. Toronto. Oh, Toronto. Toronto, That's right. So all to say that 
I feel that it's very important that a congregation be involved in Israel engagement and activism. And the blessing is really everything is mina uh, shemayim. But I particularly feel blessed at Or Torah to have so many families that have a first degree relative who has made Aliyah, children serving in Sahal, uh, de rigueur, almost all the kids in the, in the congregation, I wouldn't say 100%, but close to it, finish high school, they spend a year or two in a seminary, in a yeshiva, uh, continuing education in Israel. Um, and we really feel, I would say, a very visceral connection to Medinat Israel uh, and to Klal Yisrael. Well, with that in mind, uh, I don't think you'll mind at all uh, joining me in wishing a very happy anniversary, 15th anniversary, to Nefesh Benefesh. It's remarkable. Remarkable. Mazel tov, mazel tov to Nefesh Benefesh. Crucial work. And, um, That's for sure. A crucial uh, component in uh, helping connect Klal Yisrael to Medinat Yisrael. Rabbi Engel, we're going to look you up next time we're in Skokie. Please do. Hope you don't mind. Oh, it'll be wonderful. I'm going to bring the whole crew. The crew. Fine. Get, Fair enough. Get the family ready. Get there early. It's hard to get a seat. Re- oh, really? Is that the oh, case? Yeah, that's for sure. I'll be there half hour early. How do you like that? Three minyanim. It's packed. So. I, don't, I don't want to miss anything that you're <laughs> going to present that morning. I don't want me. But, yeah. Rabbi Tzvi Engel, Congregation Oratora in Skokie, Illinois. Send my best to all my relatives there, please. I will certainly do that. I appreciate that. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Is it still Wednesday? No. Yes, it is. It's already Thursday. Oh, speaking of Thursday, I'm glad you said that. Speaking of Thursday, the uh, documentarian who was responsible for Operation Wedding, the story in documentary form of the uh, of the refuseniks in Russia in 1970, who Soviet Union, I should say, 1970, who um, tried to steal a plane and make Aliyah that way, 
She's going to be my guest tomorrow morning on JM in the AM. Plus, Leif Tahar is scheduled. Plus, join us at 11 a.m. Eastern Time as Manischewitz presents our visit pre-Purim to Wesley Kosher up in Muncie, New York. We'll be at Wesley Kosher 11 a.m. on uh, Thursday after JM in the AM and, and during the Thursday live lunch. Uh, I want to thank Butcher Block Grill. Butcher Block Grill. We thank you. They're in Boca, right? They're in Boca. Thank you, Butcher Block Grill. <laughs> what? What, what, what? Excuse me? Is everything okay? Was I supposed to thank them for dinner tonight? Oh, for dinner last night. I want to thank Butcher Block Grill at Boca for the most incredible and delicious dinner last night. Our party of 20 all agrees it was one of the best dinners we've ever had. Rabbi Gershon Albert is here, Beth Jacob Congregation, Oakland, California. Rabbi Albert, welcome to JM in the AM. Thanks for having me. How many of your congregants listen to us on a daily basis? Tell me. Hundreds? I got Thousands? Tens of thousands? Yeah, maybe like 100,000 or so. Ah, there you go. Keep my ego in check. Keep it at 100,000. Uh, the big Oakland question, of course, is do you know Akiva Naiman? I do know Akiva Naiman. Well, he's my wonderful nephew. Oh, fantastic. He's actually married to my niece. Well, he and Hani are some of the best human beings I know. I heard Oakland's Jewish community was practically in a state of mourning when they decided to move out. It was rough. It was rough. And he had to leave after my only one year of me there. Oh. I think uh, it was because of me. Same congregation or not? Same congregation, oh, yeah. very nice. So he was what, the youth director while you were the rabbi? So he was the NCSY director. Nice. Of NorCal NCSY. And from what I'm told, the Davis family dobbins in your shul. That is... Known as the uh, owners of the Oakland Raiders. That is true, yes. Yeah, yeah at least yeah. on paper. Right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that uh, they take great pride in, uh, in being part of your synagogue. Uh, tell, thank tell, you. tell me about Oakland, because I know a little bit based on sure. my family experience. But Yeah, so Oakland, California is a beautiful part of the world. Uh, there's a redwood forest less than 10 minutes from my house. Nice. Um, the shul itself is about 120... We're actually having our 125th anniversary next year, which is really exciting. It was started in the late 1800s by um, immigrants from Eastern Europe, and the show's been going strong ever since. Uh, my predecessor's predecessor is here right now as well, Rabbi Howard Zach. And, um, oh, we spoke to him earlier. Great. So he was the rabbi for 16 years, and then after him, Rabbi Judah Zardik took over, and I took over two, two and a half years ago. And the shul is a uh, mid-sized Orthodox shul, just under 200, fi- 200 families. And uh, we have a local day school, the Oakland Hebrew Day School, that we work really closely with uh, that was started by Rabbi Howard Zach, who you spoke with before. And um, when you are in the out-of-town rabbinate, you kind of a, or have to be a one-stop shop. So right. we have a cemetery and two mikvahs in the shul. Um, and we have our own gun and a day school that we work very closely with as well. The, um, uh, are you very close to San Francisco, by the way? We are, yeah. Like right over the bridge, right? Like 15 minutes. That type of thing. Yeah. And they also have, a, I'm just curious, do they have an Orthodox community there? Or? So there are a number of Orthodox shoals in San Francisco. Some of them have rabbis, some of them don't. Uh, there's two Sephardic shoals. Uh, but we, un- for whatever reason, like the geography of the bay, it's hard to make it over the bridge unless you have to go there for work. So we, I have good relationships with a lot of the rabbinim there. Um, but we like have our own East Bay community. There's an Orthodox shul in Berkeley uh, that I work closely with as well. Nice. Uh, Rabbi uh, Gershon Albert is here, Beth Jacob Congregation, Oakland, California. Um, tell me about the uh, one of the things we've been concentrating on because of the uh, activities here this week is the incredible YU Yarchikala. What's it like for you to come here and be part of this whole scene? Sure. So it's my first time here at the Alumni Yarchikala. I was part, part of Cohort 6 of the Archikalas with Rabbi J.J. Schachter. 
Um, it's really incredible just to have the opportunity to go and meet other Rabbanim from around the country who have a similar hashkava, a similar worldview in terms of what we're doing in the, in the rabbinate. To just get the chizuk, the strength of being out here with friends and colleagues has been tremendous. Learning from Rabbi J.J. Schachter and uh, so many other amazing Talmudi Chachamim is just a real uh, strength, point of strengthening in the year for me. So it's great to be here. Where are you from originally? Montreal, Canada. Oh, very nice. A lot of Montreal people stopping by today. Yeah, we try. Um, and uh, tell me about uh, Israel education. Because of our partnership with Nefesh Benefesh, we've been focusing on that this week. Is that something that comes up in Oakland, California? So it definitely comes up uh, regularly. I'm sure you may have heard that the Bay Area is known for uh, some progressive views oh, good point. on Israel. Say and, the least. <laughs> um, as a community, we very much take the view that um, supporting Israel and Zionism is transcends politics. It has to transcend politics. It has to be bigger than politics. And so for us, part of our Judaism is expressed with support for Israel. And uh, we don't talk about you know which parties to vote for, right. but we very much say that supporting Mizzi not Israel is part of our um, lives as Jews and really part of our um, connection to the Rebona Shalom. Anybody from your community moving to Israel at all? So I think we have a couple who's moving in the summer, which nice. is actually a bittersweet uh. Uh, One of those, success huh? story. yeah. Losing and, some good people. <laughs> yeah, and at this point, there's like a whole Beth Jacob, uh, Beth Jacob East contingent mm. who live um, in Beit Daniel. My predecessors there already in uh, Yerushalayim and Beit Shemesh as well. So it's it's sweet if you go to Israel. There's a whole community of Beth Jacob alumni, I guess, who live there now. You have people to visit. Yeah. You join me in wishing Rabbi Fass and company and Mazel Tov, no doubt. Mazel Tov to Rabbi Fass and to Nefesh Benefesh on 15 years. Pretty amazing. It's amazing. I thank you for joining me. Rabbi Gershon Albert, Beth Jacob Congregation, Oakland, California. And the next time I see Akiva Naiman, I'm going to send your regards. Please do. I thank you. And to Hani as well. I certainly will. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Starting to wrap up a Wednesday morning edition. A couple of days of celebration. We know how to party. We know how to party when it comes to uh, when it comes to a great uh, organization like Nefesh Benefesh. We take a couple of days. We hit the road. We uh, extend Mazel Tov wishes constantly. We highlight all the wonderful things they've done for 15 years. Something like 50,000 plus Olim and 55 flights and all these other statistics that we've cited God knows how many times, Baruch Hashem. And of course, we bring rabbis on from around North America to, to uh, issue uh, Mazel Tov wishes to Rabbi Fass and Tony Gelbart and all the staff members and volunteers in the organization. And we talk about the incredible landings in Israel when thousands of people are waiting. Those who have already made Aliyah before, those who uh, have been living in Israel for many, many years, many of them who are, who are born in Israel. And they're there at the airport to greet the newest Olim. Yes, yes, yes. We know how to celebrate here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. And Rabbi, covered a lot of topics. And Rabbi Josh Fass joins me for one final word before we uh, embark on our journey back to the New York area. It's been a hoot to being a co-anchor of the show. A hoot? <laughs> Is that a Hebrew word? Hey, Vav Tet? Is that how it's right? spelled? Does, no one uses that word anymore no, in America? I'm kidding around. Where, where we are, it still fits in the vernacular. I'm just shocked you used it. That's I'm all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yes, it is a hoot. By golly, it's been fun. <laughs> it is a hoot, to say the least. And it's good every 15 years to get together and reflect a little bit. See you in 15 years, I'll see you at the big 3-0, Rabbi Fass. Can't do this every year, but every 15, I think, would be reasonable. So here we are as we uh, wind things down. Yes. And we spoke a lot about earlier in the show, we spoke a lot about the uh, the youthful enthusiasm that is Thank God, still within the American Jewish community when it comes to Israel. Some in the youth itself, as I saw and Mark Rosenberg and our staff saw uh, in the schools that we visited. That was a great feeling. And among other people as well, other people as well, older generations and others uh, who still have this incredible uh, desire to get to the Holy Land as soon as possible. And it's wonderful to see, great to be part of. I suggested on more than one occasion, I don't know, maybe at some point those... Uh, the supply of those people who want to go to Israel is just going to run out. And we've, set, we've found just the opposite, that there's plenty of more people out there who continue to desire to get to the you Holy Land. very wistful. As soon as possible. Well, yeah, I'm, ref- I'm reflecting. summing up. <laughs> I am reflecting, Rabbi Fess. There are certain misconceptions I was under walking into this project, and I'm clearing them up, making sure to review them so I never forget the re- what the truth really is. It's on the record. And... Um, those of you who have not yet seen our, our, our armchair conversation, where so much of the last 15 years was revealed, where I expressed tremendous shock that there has never been a disagreement between Rabbi Fass and Tony Gelbart, a statement you're still willing to stand by. Absolutely. Last night when we went back to the house, we were trying to think. Yeah, if just for was. my benefit. Yeah. We come up with something to tell just us. Just give so discuss something. And? So we no. started to fight over it. <laughs> there we go, finally. So last night was our first disagreement, and thank you. Thank maybe you over that. dinner at the Butcher Block Grill, maybe then I'll be able to get out of you uh, some real uh, behind-the-scenes stories. And That's get where to, we're going. And get to, so I'm told, I'd get to, the, so I'm told more than once, <laughs> I'd get down to the nitty-gritty of what's happening with Nefesh Benefesh. Anyway, I hope and pray that, in fact, as you know, uh, I really, really hope and pray that these last couple of days have convinced people to seriously look into Nefesh Benefesh, uh, to do what so many thousands did on Sunday at the mega event in New York City, uh, to do what a lot of students did, six 
7th and 8th graders today asked questions that you'd expect from 30 and 40 years old year olds when it comes to making Aliyah. They were asking those That's questions. That's fascinating. Which is unbel- it really is unbelievable. And, um, and I think, in retrospect, that experience is going to be part of an important review of this entire journey down to Florida. Uh, and, and, a- and we'll have to analyze what, what it, what's going on in these day schools? What's going on in these schools in general in our community? What, what is it that we still need to tap into? And what, what's happening that we'd be happy with that we're not even aware of at this point? So anyway. We'll also re-examine highlighting connections to Israel which do not particularly address Aliyah and having right. different venues of connectivity to Israel and to sh- express one's passion, express Zionism, and not necessarily has to be in the form of Aliyah. And yeah. I think that will be good for our youth and be good for our communities and allow the rabbis, which you've been interviewing, also have tools to create those atmospherics and to educate and inspire a next generation, even if they don't make Aliyah. Correct. Uh, you know, Zionism is not a zero-sum game. They can have different expressions of, of connectivity and also embrace and celebrate those in their communities who do make Aliyah. Yeah, I agree with you, of course. Um, yesterday started with Natan Sharansky calling in. Yes. And one of the, one of the things that uh, hit me and others is that there are a lot of people now, uh, because it was 30 years ago, who do not even know who Natan Sharansky is and don't understand the role that he played in one of the most important uh, episodes or stretches of episodes in Jewish his- modern Jewish history. Um, we saw that once with a flight. I was standing with Nathan on the bottom of the staircase. And you had, depending on the age of coming down the stairs, who knew him and who, who didn't. Some people in awe and, and some others. people just passed by. And I said to him at one point, because there was a cluster of like teenagers or army kids, and I said to him, we have to really educate. Better, better education over Jewish history. So true. And it's not just that. Today we mentioned the Six-Day War in one of our presentations. And I'm not saying that the, the young people never heard of it. That, that would be unfair. But, you know, the context, the historic context, and the, you know, how, you know when Natan Sharansky was on, I, I, one of my go-to questions to him always is about the significance of the Six-Day War in his own and other refuseniks' journey to Israel, how that was such an important, uh, such an important historic event and had made such an impact on 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 the greater community of refuseniks and those who were in Russia in general, and um, and then we have you know those who don't even know when the Six Day War was. They probably know the length of the Six Day War, but that would be it. Yeah, a few months. <laughs> you get that, huh? Anyway, what are we doing on time here? Is it time to wrap things up, or uh, we have a couple more minutes, Rabbi Fast? This is wonderful. What are we gonna this do? Is called, this is called bonus time with Rabbi. Put your block rail. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus time with Rabbi Fast. So finally, here we are. Ask away now. Here Let's we do are it. in the Four pla- minutes of in the place where it all began. Yes. Here we are in the place where you knocked on Tony Gelbart's uh, 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 front door. I would guess at approximately eleven, twelve o'clock on a Shabbos morning. Right? Oh, you're being generous. It's Shabbos o'clock? morning. We're talking about one fifteen, one thirty. One fifteen on a Shabbos diaspora. Diaspora community. Good point. Right. I eat lunch in Israel at ten thirty. I have chillin' by ten forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even up to Mafter yet. <laughs> he gets Mafter. Are you kidding? Some people are just roll, some people are rolling out of bed. I hate to tell you. Anyway, so at about one fifteen, you knock on the door with this idea to discuss with Tony Gelbart. Yes. And, and hours later, you show up in your house. Yeah, three something. And the first conversation has been had. The first conversation has been, uh, you know, yep. is out there. And here we are, fifteen years later. And thank God, still so much more work to do. Yep.
Yeah. And just walking around the community, I went to visit my old home, took a picture, sent it to my family back at home. And just walking around, I, I passed a classroom and I said, that classroom is where I have it uh, probably for uh, where they interviewed me for the shul. That was the grilling, huh? It was it was it's amazing, and and sadly, so many of those personalities are not with us. Wow. And just walking through the community, it's just. Who's in the house now? Who's in the house now? Yeah. Did you tell about the likelihood is they're going to make aliyah? Like there's an atmosphere in the home. The what? house you used to live in. Oh no! Who's there I don't now? know. I'm not following you. <laughs> I want to know. I moved on already. I want to I'm exhausted. I want to know who's there. No, I did not knock on the door. I did not sneak in the backyard. I don't know who's living there. You didn't catch a name on the on the plate in front no, of the house. No, we didn't get that. that close. And I'm so sorry that I'm not following. Nothing your unusual on the law. Nothing at all. Put your block grill. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank the incredible Nefesh Benefesh staff. Everybody, there are a lot of people. Uh, those who are here, including uh, Yal Katzman. And uh, Tony Gelbart and uh, and Mark Rosenberg and Aaron Leibowitz and Aaron Leibowitz for being the mastermind of this entire trip. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, plus, of course, those in Israel and other places that were very helpful with us, Ari and Avi and your staff, who are always uh, so helpful. In addition, my incredible staff, Miriam L. Wallach, our chief engineer, ZK, uh, Jamie Turkel, Yoni Pollock. Am I leaving anybody out? I don't think so. Uh, all a lot of coordination. People think of Rami Finkelstein. That's right. Of Rami uh, back in New York taking care of everything. And people, not in New York, actually, in Baltimore. That's a separate story. Uh, people think it's easy to just to hit the road and come down anywhere for a couple of days. It's uh, basically uh, a very, very um, – uh, it's a big effort that takes a lot of preparation. So thank you to everybody. You should tell your listeners that we're looking at this as a pilot experience. I would we're love – taking it on the road. I would love for this to continue. We're taking as, it on the road. I would love for this to continue as an experience. Thank God we have it on videotape and audio tape. So we can just play it and not oh. even show up. <laughs> so we can play these words back to my fast after he's recovered from our big dinner tonight. Uh, Mayor Cruder. Did you meet Mayor Cruder at all, my fast? Did you meet him during this trip? No. He's right here. He's our official photographer. Hey, Motek. There you go. How are you doing? Mayor Cruz. I don't know if he's expressed an interest in moving to Israel. I'm not sure. I think we already, we, we already did a surprise Aliyah. We really? took his driver's license. It's one of those Avi Levine deals where I'm not giving you back your passport until you make Aliyah. The person's sleeping. We processed them. Uh, so, Mayor Cruder, Cruder Photography, if you want him at your event, you know what to do. You go to Cruder.com, K-R-U-T-E-R.com. And that about... I thought he has up. a nickname. I only knew the nickname. Not, uh, I don't think the nickname's for public consumption, as far as I'm concerned. I'm so sorry. Is I didn't it? know you had an official full name no, I'm asking. given by your parents. Is, is that something that we could discuss on the air? Do it. Really? Absolutely. That's well, how he's known. Imagine that. Finish it on that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not comfortable. It's okay. Yalla. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on our beloved NSN app. And those are the uh, strands of Hatikva in the background as we wrap things up from Boca, where Nefesh Benefesh was founded. And again, congratulate Tony and Rabbi Josh on the incredible accomplishment 15 years later. We will continue to follow this adventure of Nefesh Benefesh on JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. That commitment we will continue uh, to maintain. I remind you that tomorrow, special guests in studio, including the documentarian of Operation Wedding, as we've been describing. Plus, I remind you that uh, Leif Tahar is expected Thursday morning on JM and the AM. And I remind you that Manischewitz brings us tomorrow at 11 a.m., to Wesley Kosher in Muncie, New York. That starts at 11 a.m. 
Eastern Time. Make sure to join us. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.